Certified. to the truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and glad to be live for those of you listening at WCEFM in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, or listening around the world at thelastfrequency.com or over at the Vera Network at TuneIn.com. Of course, I'm playing a little extra homage to Burt Bacharach, uh, a musical genius without any question. 
has been writing great hits for an extremely long time. And unless you take the time to look it up, you probably have no idea how extensive the, the catalog is. In fact, I was talking to Doug earlier. Uh, of course, Doug is the producer, a.k.a. the Crazy Cajun. And uh, we were discussing how some of the songs that uh, Bert actually wrote, we had no idea even fit within the time frame of when he was doing it. Just an amazing composer and uh, one of those true treasures that we have lost. Uh, just just another tragedy. And uh, that's just where we're kind of at. All right. Uh, obviously, we've got a action-packed, fun-filled adventure for your Friday night. Going to be joined here by Richard V. Battle here at the bottom of the first hour. Going to be talking about his idea of the American Hall of Fame, and I'm really looking forward to that conversation with him. Uh, he's a fantastic guest to begin with. He's a great author, and uh, we're just going to attack that with some zeal. And then, for the second week in a row, hour number two, we are going to be blessed with the vocal stylings. Okay, well, he's just going to be talking. Uh, Mr. Ron Edwards will be joining us, and we'll discuss a few different topics. But before we get into any of that, I wanted to discuss the story of Jamie Reed. Uh, if you haven't already heard this story, let me give you some background. See, Jamie Reed, <clears throat> Jamie Reed's a self-described queer leftist woman who's married to a transgendered man. So, obviously, she's technically a lesbian, married to a woman that likes to pretend to be married. And that's the part that makes it all queer, I guess. But you see, the thing is, Jamie Reed worked as a case manager for the Missouri Pediatric Transgender Clinic. Now, did, did you catch that? A case manager in the state of Missouri... She came forward. She has become a whistleblower. And it has started a full-blown investigation in Missouri uh, that could lead to all kinds of child abuse and criminal negligent type of things. If it's pursued properly, we'll see how far it goes. But in the effort to explain how, how badly things were being done at the Missouri Pediatric Transgender Clinic, she actually said, quote, morally and medically appalling treatment that was resulting in permanent harm done to children. I mean, those are the words of somebody that is technically an ally of the transgender people, right? So you know she's not motivated like all of us mean-spirited conservatives who only want to do harm and only want to kill people we disagree with because we're all a bunch of Nazis, even though these morons aren't even historically bright enough to understand that the Nazis were leftists. No, no, no. Okay, so what are we really talking about here? Jamie Reed was a case manager handling intakes of patients at the Pediatric Transgender Center at Washington University School of Medicine at the St. Louis Children's Hospital for more than four years. In an expose for the uh, free press, Reed confirmed that 
all of the fears that have been raised in recent years about fast tracking of children into irreversible medical treatments, well, she confirmed all of them. You know, people like myself have been warning about this. I'm, I'm far from the only one. I'm not trying to make it out to be some big thing. I'm not the only one on this particular crusade, but we want to protect the children. That's why I want to give special hat tip again to Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh was here in Tennessee just this past week discussing with lawmakers here about the threats and dangers and why laws need to be passed. And he did this really good thing with being questioned by a Democrat in flipping the question around on him. And, of course, he refused to answer. And uh, quickly, once they realized that he specifically was clammed up and didn't know what to say, that simply started responding, uh, well, we asked the questions here, buddy. Good job, Matt Walsh. Good job. Anyway, in the expose, in part that Reed herself wrote, let me quote to you here. I left the clinic in November of last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. Now, Reed, who's a St. Louis native, who describes herself as, quote, politically to the left of Bernie Sanders, took a job at the Transgender Center back in the summer of 2018, where she was a case manager responsible for patient intake and oversight. Quoting again, Soon after my arrival at the Transgender Center, I was struck by the lack of formal protocols for treatment. The center's physician co-directors were essentially the sole authority. So during her four years at the Transgender Center, Reed said that she noticed a significant increase in teenage girls seeking to transition to male with comorbidities such as depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity, autism, and autism-like symptoms. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, all of these are things that when they occur in teenagers need to be treated separately. And they all tend to be disorders of one kind or another that can lead them to need additional emotional support not just a quick oh well you know you you think you're a boy okay let's just move forward that's insanity but let's stay with the uh stay with her story for a little bit before i go too far down my own opine here until 2015 or so a very small number of these boys comprised the population of pediatric gender dysphoria cases. Now, that's an important bit of information. Until 2015, if you were transgender dysphoria suffering, you were typically male, and it was an extremely small number. Then all of a sudden, 2015, it's a bunch of girls. 
who have all these other comorbidities? That's not a coincidence. It is obviously social contagion, and it's obviously young girls who are quickly becoming the victims of cyberbullying. These are things that are happening to no small extent. In fact, horrific story out of New Jersey about a young 14-year-old girl who committed suicide because she was attacked, knocked out, had the school trying to cover up the story, and then the people that attacked her posted the video online. And she couldn't live with the consequences of that footage being on social media. Now, it's a horrible story, and it's a completely different story, and it's something I may very well broach this weekend. Because I have a rather unpopular opinion of how we need to address that. And I know it won't be popular because this is one of those cases where parents need to parent, and children need to be taught that reality will be harsh, and you have to develop a thick skin. There will be bullies, and you must be prepared to deal with those bullies. Even if it means you get your backside kicked a few times, you got to develop thick enough skin to deal with it. So naturally, not a lot of people are going to want to hear that, but let's, let's progress here. After 2015... Across the Western world, there began to be a dramatic increase in a new population. Teenage girls, many with no previous history of gender distress, suddenly declared they were transgender and demanded immediate treatment with hormone, hormone blockers. And of course, as these clinics have started doing, reassignment surgeries. Now, Reed and her colleagues recognize that the rapid increase in patients seeking transition could be uh, – emphasis on could, I'll tell you, definitely is, but they're trying to parse their words here, and it's okay – could be a manifestation of social contagion. In fact, it's practically the definition of social contagion, technically. But hey, who am I to judge? I'm just your friendly host. So, this could, manif this could be a manifestation of social contagion, especially when clusters of girls arrived from the same high school, but their concerns were allegedly dismissed by the physicians. The doctors who saw, you know, dollar bills, cha-ching, cha-ching, bank accounts getting bigger, getting my uh, malpractice insurance paid with this long-term treatment that's going to come, uh, never mind, guys, we don't. We don't cater to your common sense and logical thinking around here. We're the trained medical professionals. We'll decide what to do. Reed literally said, quoting here again, anyone who raised doubts ran the risk of being called transphobe. Oh, how dare you? So the process to begin medical transition, like other pediatric gender clinics all over the country, even though so many of them still deny that they do it once the truth gets out. No, no, we never did that. Well, the process, it only requires a letter of recommendation from a therapist after one or two visits. Now, at least that was the case in this particular clinic. 
Reed said that the Transgender Center made this process simple with recommendations of gender-affirming therapists and offered a template letter of support. Meaning, here, here's a form letter. All you have to do is take this to a therapist who, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, we know is going to be friendly to your request and just have them uh, rubber stamp this for us, and then we can proceed. That's what was happening here. A single visit to a uh, endocrinologist all it took. This is all it took to get a testosterone prescription. Reed came to believe that the long-term effects of testosterone, including infertility among girls, are not fully understood by minors and that the current treatment system is failing to do no harm. Failing to do no harm, meaning, let's put it in simpler terms, is hurting these people. Okay? These are kids. They're minors. They can't legally go into a smoke shop and buy tobacco. They certainly can't legally go to a package store and buy alcohol. They're not legally allowed to vote, at least not yet. The Dems have been working on that for a few years. I suspect they'll have that legal voting age down to 15 before long. That's what they're looking for. But the bottom line here is those things can do harm, this definitely does harm. And again, the human brain doesn't completely finish developing until 25 years of age. The majority of people that suffer from gender dysphoria outgrow it by the end of puberty if you do nothing at all but just let them go through puberty. No hormone treatments, no chemical castrations, no surgical mutilations. You just let them talk to somebody. Give them some freaking therapy if that's what you need to do. But it doesn't require anything else. But that's not what we do. Back to quoting Reed and her piece for the expose. Our parents were told about some side effects, including sterility. But after working at the center, I came to believe that teenagers are simply not capable of fully grasping what it means to make the decision to become infertile while still a minor. Read detailed examples after examples of negative physical and psychological effects experienced by patients at the clinic that she saw firsthand, including, but not limited to, liver toxicity. Vaginal laceration, clitoral enlargement, and warned of the risk for long-term health problems from hormonal treatment like blood pressure issues, sleep apnea, and diabetes. Back to quoting, but clinics like the one where I worked are creating a whole cohort of kids with atypical genitals. And most of these teens haven't even had sex yet. They had no idea who they were going to be as adults. Gee, why does this sound so familiar? Sorry, I, I have to interject every now and then. Back to quoting. Yet, all it took for them to permanently transform themselves was one or two short 
conversations with a therapist. 19, Reed also became aware of an increasing number of minors who regretted their medical transition. Well, it's a big surprise. Again, if you're going to outgrow the gender dysphoria before you're done with puberty, there's going to be a really excellent chance you're going to regret having mutilated yourself after you passed where the gender dysphoria would have actually taken place. And beyond that, let's go back to the fact that, I don't know, about 95% of the current trending trans kids, they're not actually suffering from gender dysphoria to begin with. That certainly makes a change in how much you're going to see it. So, yeah, okay, well, we're becoming aware of an increasing number of minors who regretted their medical transition. Why are we letting minors medically transition? Why is this being encouraged by physicians who sworn to do no harm? Why? I don't know. I keep asking this question. I keep telling you the answer is simple. Dollar signs. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Bigger bank accounts. This is a lifelong commitment once you start down this path. And unfortunately for some of these kids, the earlier they get started on these things, the shorter that life tends to be. Anyway, once again, Reed says that she and a colleague of hers tried to bring attention to the issue and track the data, but they again were met with resistance from the doctors working at the clinic. They weren't interested. They didn't want to, probably because they already knew. They knew what they were doing. They knew they weren't helping these kids. Despite the effort, the author and colleague created the red flag list. It was designed to, to track those patients that they saw going through this. Quoting again, we thought the doctors would want to collect and understand this data in order to figure out what they had missed. We were wrong. Uh, yes, Reed, you were wrong because they didn't miss it. They knew. I, I cannot begin to tell you in any uncertain terms, loudly enough, firmly enough, strongly enough, these Physicians know darn well what the side effects are of what they're doing. They know what the data says, and they know that this is not an appropriate way to treat someone who actually is suffering from gender dysphoria. And they know especially that when you have all those comorbidities we were talking about initially, and the fact that this seems to happen in traditionally blue strongholds, you don't see a whole lot of it, where it's a more conservative-based community. I wonder why that is. That doesn't sound like natural evolution either. Um, let me think. Anyway, Reed recalled a particularly sad case of a detransitioned teenage girl from an unstable family with a history of drug use who had undergone a double mastectomy uh, to remove her breast. That's what mastectomy does. After only three months, she was already regretting the decision. Three months. Quoting here back from the piece, three months later, she called the surgeon's office to say she was going back to her birth name, and that her pronouns were she and her. Heartbreakingly, she told the nurse, I want my breasts back. 
when Reed and her colleague, who also helped try to keep track of this stuff, checked on the young girl, they found out she was pregnant. Of course, she'll never be able to breastfeed. By the spring of 2020, Reed felt morally obligated to voice her growing concerns and began speaking up. She started speaking up in the office. She started speaking up by sending email communications to anyone she thought would listen. As a result, she began receiving negative performance reviews for the first time since she took this job, noting her defensiveness and hostility when she received direction from management. Quoting again from the piece, Things came to a head at a half-day retreat in the summer of 2022. In front of the team, the doctor said that my colleague and I had to stop questioning the medicine and the science, as well as their authority. Then, an administrator told us we had to get on board or get out. Reed finally left the Transgender Center in November of 2022 and decided to come forward after she felt stunned and sickened, that's quote, by comments made by Dr. Rachel Levine, which I guess we're going to pretend like Dr. Rachel Levine is the third greatest doctor of all time, you know, immediately after the greatest doctor of all time, Dr. Jill Biden, and then the second greatest, Dr. Anthony Fauci, right? Anyway, in case Rachel Levine's not a name that really registers, that's the so-called transgender assistant secretary for health at the Department of Health and Human Services. The one who said that clinics are proceeding carefully and that no American children are receiving drugs or hormones for gender dysphoria who shouldn't. See, the problem is, if any are, then some are that shouldn't be, because none should be. In a letter prepared for Missouri's Attorney General, Reed outlined the rapid medicalization of children, poor assessments of mental health prior to gender-altering treatment, the lack of informed consent from parents and youth, and actual harm caused by the medical treatment. The letter also contained allegations of abuse and intimidation of parents who don't fully support medicalization, and misleading testimony before the Missouri legislature. Quoting again, given the secrecy and the lack of rigorous standards that categorize youth gender transition across the country, I believe, again I'm quoting, I believe that to ensure the safety of American children, we need a moratorium on the hormonal and surgical treatment of young people with gender dysphoria. Okay, now what's going to happen? Jamie Reed is now going to become persona non grata on the left. Here she is, a self-described queer leftist woman married to a transgendered man who is no longer going to be welcome in the very communities she comes from because she chooses to stand up and tell the truth about the harm that's happening to these children as a direct result of this insanity. It's not safe. It's threatening. It's causing harm. And there is no shortage of harm 
that this nation will feel moving forward if it's allowed to continue. That's going to be it for this half hour. Let's take the mid-hour break, and when we come back, we will be joined by Richard V. Battle. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I'm gone, but not forgotten. Fabulous boy. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. He was a famous trumpet man from my Chicago way. He had a book his style that no one else could play. He was a top man and his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blown rebelly. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of company B. The slippery slope downward into the deep crevices of immorality and identity confusion is becoming so prevalent in the Christian church. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Increasingly, many church leaders and so-called Christian singers have become indistinguishable from leftist college professors or non-Christian hardcore rock stars, respectively. So it was not shocking to learn the Church of England has gone woke on steroids and is seriously considering putting God into the box of gender neutrality. For many years, Church of England bigwigs have debated on how they can participate in the leftist war against male identity. Some are calling for God to be referenced to only as he or him, as well as scraping away any reference to God as our Father in favor of either gender-neutral or, even more foolish, female alternatives. I wouldn't be surprised if the leftist Episcopalians here in the U.S. followed suit in the near future. Yet, Church officials scratch their empty heads and wonder why church attendance in the U.K. and the U.S. has dropped to record lows. Time for we the people to seek God through his word in the Bible and earnest prayer. I'm Ron Edwards. Let's converse weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. The second goal is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. These products are patented and proven. Second Skull is a protective headgear company. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
battle author and speaker and media commentator, and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tapping the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. And it is now my distinct honor and pleasure to welcome back to the show once again the man you just heard speaking very nice about uh, this show uh, with the background of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, This man has seen all of it as he is a uh, native Texan and still believes in the greatest aspects of what America has to offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Richard V. Battle. Uh, Richard, first and foremost, thank you once again for joining us, and uh, how are you this evening, sir? Tim, we're doing great. Thank you so much for having us back with you again. All right. Well, you are always welcome here, sir. Love talking with you. I've enjoyed every conversation we've had to this point. Uh, Of course, your most recent book, uh, one of the best books I've come across in a while, and I consider myself a a connoisseur of quality uh, conservative thought books, even if they're not political as much as just general value storylines. Your book, uh, Made in America by Americans, not Americans, still just a fantastic book. I hope anybody out there who hasn't already gotten a copy of it will take the time to go out and get it. I will put a link in the show description for the podcast listeners later. It'll be easy enough to find. Uh, but fantastic book. And one of the things that uh, I thought about having you on in regards to the, we're moving strongly towards President's Day, and I've been seeing and hearing a lot of folks from the left talking about how we need to do away with President's Day, or or we need to change it, kind of the same thing they've talked about with Columbus Day. We need to to make it something different, uh, a little more woke, and your response to that has been to actually create uh, your uh, a Hall of Fame, (laughs) an American, or in this case, an American's Hall of Fame, and you even have a list of the class of 2023 inductees, which I'll let you kind of go into. But first, I want to uh, address why it was you felt like this is the response to this motion of doing away with President's Day. Well, thank you, Tim, for your comments and the opportunity to share it. And the genesis for Made in America by Americans, Not Americans, was the frustration similar to what a lot of us feel after the election two years ago and the anti-American protest and the government trying to take over our lives and just manage every little bit of our lives to where they're saying that we cannot take care of ourselves. And so when I look back on history, and it's nonpartisan for sure, to the founding and even before, people came to this country, and they made things happen. They were Americans. They didn't let the word can't dictate what they did. And many of them fell along the way, but they continued and pressed on, and they were unconquered in taming this land and creating this great country that we have. And we are being threatened to not only lose it in our lifetime, but to lose it for our children and our future descendants, and it's up to us 
to broaden our shoulders so they can stand on our shoulders like we stand on the shoulders of those who gifted us this great country. Yeah, absolutely great point. I know ever since the uh, the idea of tearing down monuments because of who they were or what they did uh, during their time, uh, you were a slave owner or you were this, that, or the other, uh, ever since that started as a thing, I have tried to make the point, and I think the general audience agrees with me. The problem is uh, a lot of the folks on the left never even hear the point, and that is that even the more uncomfortable parts of our history, we need to remember. In fact, those are probably more important to remember so we can learn from the mistakes that we've made, so we can see and understand how far we've come in trying to honor and live up to the promises made by the founders. And this whole idea of just completely taking out of public view and out of the discussion the idea of real history, it's terrifying to me because it's a a first step towards taking away everything that is special about this nation. Well, yes, and just imagine if they took every reference to slavery out of any document. It wouldn't be two, three generations until someone would be proposing and advocating returning to slavery. And so the only way to prevent it from happening again is make sure people know about it and how bad it was so people don't do it again. And we have to do that from a, a historical standpoint. And when I, my dad was passing away from cancer a few years back, and I was talking to him one day, and I kind of jokingly said, yes, there was only one perfect man. And he retorted, yes, and they hung him from a tree. And so none of us now are perfect. None of our predecessors were perfect. None of our descendants will be perfect. We do the best we can with what we learn. And I believe smart people learn from their experiences. Brilliant people learn from the experiences of others. Yeah, uh, another great point. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a media-driven um, age where so many of our young people are only exposed to what's either on social media or what's on streaming services. And then we turn around and see things like Nicole Hannah-Jones' uh, 1619 Project. And, and they're being misled into thinking that's actual history. And they're missing out on what the actual history is. Uh, we even see uh, corporations like uh, the Disney Company uh, with their reboot of, uh, well, their new version of the Proud Family, talking about uh, reparations and uh, this whole idea that somehow there's not any honor in how America was built. And in this whole effort to continue to ignore what's happened before, if the example you gave where we eventually eliminate the idea of slavery altogether, then their argument for reparations goes away pretty quickly. So they don't even seem to understand that they are assuming a juxtaposition. Yes, and there, there's so many opportunities for us that we need to take. And I think we had generations of parents who thought they could delegate to schools to teach history and other things. And thankfully, in the last year or so, I believe many parents have awakened to realize that children have been poisoned in schools to be taught this indoctrination against their parents and their families 
and their country, and I think that we're going to see a reversal. In the meantime, we have to participate more, not only in schools, but I believe parents, and and I I love my parents for doing this to me, is teach history to our kids and make history fun and show the children, here's what people did before you were even born to give you this great opportunity you have right now, because when we talk about paying it forward, and that's a expression used these days, and I think it's okay, but I like the term return the favor. There's no way I can identify every person in previous history that's done something to help me. All I can do is do something good that I help. I hope will help people I'll never know in the future. And that's the standard that we used to live to years ago, and we understood the connection between past and future, and we need to reconnect those again so that we can better serve our children today and our future descendants tomorrow. Absolutely. All right. uh, Looking specifically at some of the folks that you think belong in the Americans Hall of Fame, and i got to say, as soon as I saw this, I absolutely love the idea. We, we need to do this more. But the one thing that really stands out to me with the list uh, that I saw, uh, it includes a lot of different people, some historical, some relatively, uh, uh, I guess, relatively co- contemporary is the word I'm looking for here. But there's also a good balance recognizing that major contributions to America have been made by all kinds of people. So with that being said, uh, would you care to go down some of the names uh, on your list and why you feel like they belong there? Well, I'd be happy to. And the whole idea came about as an offshoot of the book Made in America by Americans, not Americans. And I was looking in Chicago, they have an Italian sports, uh, Italian Hall of Fame. And in Texas, we even have a Hall of Fame for the Texas Rangers, not the baseball team, but the law enforcement agency. And so there's all kinds of Hall of Halls of Fame around. And I thought, why not have a Hall of Fame that recognizes people of all varieties who contributed to our great country? And, of course, the cornerstone, in my opinion, was George Washington because without him, we would not have won the revolution. But – What really sticks to me is how he handled power. He could have been king or president for life, but after two terms, he recognized the value of new ideas and new leadership for future generations and voluntarily stepped down. And that was the precedent that was set for 150 years. And today we see politicians exactly the opposite They usually only go out of office feet first versus stepping down when they may be deathly ill or when they're incapacitated. A great example. Uh, And, you know, in that time frame, too, it would have been so easy to just, okay, yeah, go ahead and make me king, because that's what the at that point in time, until the revolution was complete, the British citizenry, which that's who we were then, uh, that's what we were accustomed to. And a president for life wouldn't have felt much different. It's like, okay, we don't have a king, but we like stable, long-term leadership. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that in a certain capacity. But George Washington definitely was the man who was a man of his time, but he also understood 
how to best preserve liberty for the citizenry. And part of that was making sure that everyone understood that leadership roles are only supposed to be short term. Um, some of the other names on your list. Well, and one that I just discovered a few months back, but especially since it's, it's uh, Black History Month right now, is a lady born Sarah Breedlove in 1867, first person in her family born after slavery. And she left home getting married at about 13 years old to escape an abusive household, had to take in laundry for about a dollar a day, just getting by. And she had scalp problems, and she couldn't find anything to help her. And so she developed a remedy. And through word of mouth and her friends buying it, she decided to start a business selling uh, women's cosmetics in the African-American community. And she ended up becoming the first self-made black woman millionaire in the United States. And after that, she took that success and became a mentor and a philanthropist. And her story, I believe, needs to be told because she was an American. She did not have government help. She overcame sex and race discrimination and built a business empire and then helped bring others along after her. And I think she's a, a great example of American. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to find a better example of what the promise of America, as she was founded, really represents. Uh, there's always the possibility of failure, but when you step up, you provide something that nobody else is giving, and then you just don't let obstacles hold you back and hold you down. Uh, there is literally no other place on the planet where you are as likely to be able to, to succeed, and that's phenomenal. Uh, you also have uh, folks on your list like Sacagawea and even Pat Tillman, uh, who I think a lot of folks that are old enough to remember. Unfortunately, uh, there's uh, uh, several folks that are getting a voting age that have no idea who Pat Tillman is, but a former NFL football player who decided that when the war on terror had to be fought, he stepped aside, gave up his uh, pro football career, and went to Afghanistan. And tragically, we lost him. But I think that defines what the true American spirit means. When under attack, we go uh, fight and protect those who cannot protect themselves, who cannot fight for themselves. Uh, just a lot of great names on your list. Uh, is there anybody else specifically you want to mention? Well, one, I think that people are always surprised. There was an actress back in the 40s named Hetty Lamar, and she was a, a beautiful lady and acted in a lot of movies and, and different events. But the thing that amazed me is she was not just an actress. She invented the technology of frequency hopping, which we use today in Wi-Fi, GPS, and Bluetooth and it helped win World War II because it helped in the development of radar. And so she was a brilliant woman, and she sacrificed some of her movie career to, for her inventions, including this one, that we still benefit from. And it just goes to show, because you may be successful in one area, doesn't mean you can't succeed in another. And don't let people pigeonhole you to where you can only work in one type of an area. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, one of those things where it, it's really difficult to imagine a true renaissance man, or in her case, a renaissance woman, uh, where you just become an expert in 
literally everything. But that doesn't mean you cannot uh, excel in multiple things. Uh, the funny thing about uh, uh, just a personal story uh, about uh, this particular actress is I remember having read about her a long time ago, and it just kind of slipped my mind. But then I was reintroduced, and then I never forgot about her uh, after having watched a episode of the CW superhero series Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> so these these people's stories are out there and can be shared and can be found in popular culture, but I think unfortunately the message gets lost especially based on how they're being introduced. So uh, another great uh, addition there and it just goes to show if you're paying close enough attention uh, this information is available. You just have to go find it. Well, and when I was growing up, and probably you also, it was much more prevalent to have positive examples shown to us. And the media went out of their way to show positive American messages, whereas now they think they're much more of a global institution and they don't want to show off American images because the product won't sell overseas. And so today we have to hunt more aggressively to find those type examples but to me it's so important for kids and grandkids to see them because it will help influence their ideas and, and see what's possible I'll, I'll tell you a quick personal story as well in uh, 2006 i was signing a book at a barnes and noble store and my daughter at that time was seven years old and, and her job was to open the books up for me to sign and we had a line of people and she tugged on my shoulder and I looked at her and she said daddy am I supposed to sign the books and I said well if people ask you you, you are and the people in the crowd heard that and so from that point forward everyone asked her to sign the books also and that experience was priceless I couldn't have paid for that because it opened her mind up to different possibilities that she could do, not necessarily become a writer, but it just opened her mind up to something beyond what she imagined to that point. And so we have opportunities with our kids and grandkids and people we influence to expose them to things, to open their minds up to those possibilities. Yeah. All right, so if somebody wants to go see your entire list of the class of 2023 for the Americans Hall of Fame, uh, can they find that at the website? Well, at this point, that's under construction, but we are going to put that up because I think this could become a real brick-and-mortar Hall of Fame if we could get the right partners involved and celebrate it every year and people from the past all the way back to Plymouth Rock if you will and there are enough people that we can celebrate and use examples and help educate the young people so this idea has come up just in the last few weeks so we're in the we're in the midst of building that right now all right well i i'm yeah. genuinely excited to hear that uh, because it, it really is something that we need to recapture and it does go back to the very heart of uh of the book and that is that america has it has so much potential not because of its government the government was never the point it was the people and it was an understanding uh, that we are in a social contract we we once upon a time were a genuine melting pot where people would come here from all around the world 
And they would bring the best of their cultures, but they understood they were coming here to become an American. And we just don't seem to have that same cohesion anymore. And we have a lot of folks in the inside, especially some of those uh, citizens of the globe type people you were mentioning just a moment ago, that have to paint America as the bad guy in order to, to continue to push their agenda. And in that a lot of what most communities, what most individuals, as far as uh, the the constant talking about it, it really made me feel good to see someone that looked like me doing this. It's like it would really make you feel better to know the actual history of what other people that look like you have done in the name of just being an American. Uh, so, again, uh, thank you so much for everything you do, Richard. And uh, before we uh, part company, please – uh, share any of the websites that you want to, and uh, feel free to share any of the social media handles that you want to put out there as well. Well, the website is richardbattle.com. I can be reached richard at richardbattle.com. We'd love to hear from anyone. Uh, I'm on all the different websites, Richard V. Battle on Twitter and Facebook and all the different websites as well. And Made in America by Americans is not only available at the website, but on Amazon and Kindle and audio versions, as are my nine books, they're all available there, and we would love to have the opportunity to speak with audience members, and we're happy to inscribe volumes off the website upon request. All right. As always, sir, uh, an honor to speak with you, and I can't wait till we get together and uh, talk again very soon, I hope. My pleasure, Tim. God bless America. God bless America. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Richard V. Battle. And uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, when when I saw this recommendation, it felt so yeah, it, it just felt so simplistic and yet so monumental at the same time. Because again, you know, this idea of a Hall of Fame, especially in response to this notion of doing away with President's Day. Uh, it just feels right. We do need to understand true histories and things that have happened in this country, really things that sets America apart from the rest of the world, things that just simply can't happen anywhere else because you don't have the freedom or the liberty to do it. Uh, the Some of the other names on the list here that I had uh, that are part of those inductees class for the first one, Includes Helen Keller, uh, includes uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and there's a few other names that uh, I don't have available, but it also includes the folks that we talked about. George Washington, C.J. Walker, uh, Eddie Lehman, Pat Tillman, Sacagawea. Uh, and these are all people that had major impacts in American history and helped build this country to what it became, what it is, and what it could still continue to grow into if we can set aside the petty differences that certain people are desperately trying to exploit just so they feel relevant. You know, people like Nicole Hannah-Jones. It still, it infuriated me the instant I heard the 1619 Project was being made into a Oprah Winfrey-backed documentary-style special over on Hulu. And, uh, it kills me even more that they keep trying to push it on anybody who has a Hulu account. You should watch this. Watch this now. Please watch this. And it's listed under 30 different versions of the suggestions. It's insane. 
It's not history. In fact, it's the opposite of history. It is the kind of critical race essentialism that if you buy into it, will continue to pull us further apart. It will continue to undo what makes America great. And in in turn, what that's going to do is take away opportunities from everybody. We've already been nudged into a an area where we seem to have this desire to move away from the notion of merit-based decision-making. Well, you just have to check some uh, intersectionality uh, boxes here, and then we'll make you our new doctor, or we'll make you our new lawyer, or, or whatever the case may be, when in fact somebody who comes in, does a fantastic job, uh, scores really well in the best medical schools, uh, well, if they don't check off those intersectionality boxes, they don't get to play the game. They are seriously out there convincing a large number of young people that the idea of merit-based decision-making is somehow white supremacist. When you make a decision based on merit you're making the best possible decision you can make. Granted, sometimes we don't get to pick the best merit choice based on whatever the situation is, but it's not a terrible thing to want to assign merit as your primary deciding uh, factor. How can we possibly let things get this bad? I don't know. Let's take a trip back to the uh, first half hour of the show and ask the question of how a person that is about as far to the left socially as you can get is now understanding that this whole transient of the kids business is not just detrimental, it's dangerous. We've got to do more of what Richard is out here doing, and that's reminding everyone that America became a great nation because America's people understood if you want greatness, you have to go earn it. It's not going to be handed to you. It's not going to be given. You're not owed it. You have to go earn it. Let's go ahead and uh, slide into our uh, break, and then as we ease into hour number two, uh, we should have Mr. Ron Edwards joining us. So don't go anywhere. Uh, hour number two promises to be entertaining, my friends. We'll be right back. This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap Into The Truth. Don't take my definitely, don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for hour number two of the live show, and I am honored and privileged to once again welcome back to the show the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience. Ladies and gentlemen, none other than Mr. Ron Edwards. Ron, thank you once again for joining us, and how are you this evening, my friend? 
Great. Thanks for the invite, and I'm doing quite well. Thank you. All right. Got a lot of stuff I'd like to talk to you about tonight. A couple of them are pretty in-depth, so I don't know if we'll get through even half of what I'm hoping for. But let's start with the U.S. military shooting down a... I'm using air quotes here for the radio listening audience, an unidentified object over Alaskan airspace. Um, Nobody wants to say if this was another Chinese spy balloon or not, but I would pose the question, and, and we kind of broached this topic last Friday when you joined me, when we were talking about them waiting till it went all through the entire country, knowing that The other balloon that we do know was a Chinese spy balloon, in fact, did go over the entire state of Alaska before going into Canada and then coming down from Canada into American airspace. Why did we do it this time, but not the last time? Well, you know how it is. They got more political. They got more blowback than they thought they would have gotten the the first time. So they wanted to uh, stick their chest out a little bit and show how tough they are by snuffing out this unknown identified uh, playing object. So that's I, that's what I think that is, just political shenanigans and maneuvering. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pretty clearly, uh, they honestly thought nobody was going to see this balloon the first time, and they don't really care. And again, it would be very different if it wasn't for the fact that the Biden crime family wasn't 100 percent bought and paid for by the CCP. And uh, of course, the uh, Penn Biden Center for CCP uh, contributions uh, is uh, just another example of exactly that. But uh, I guess it does still prove the point that if enough Americans actually make their will known, even to Democrats, they will take notice. Um, Sadly, uh, not well enough, but I guess this is kind of proof of that. Well, that's 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 exactly correct, and that's why I say all the time on my own show that we the people have to, in mass, make our voices heard on a regular basis, and we have to continue. You just have to be like a never-ending noise and continue to go after these people and put their feet to the fire or whatever else we can burn off. And uh, just a joke, folks. Uh, and, and whatever else we can say and do and, and to get this this country back on track, on the right track. Uh, because if we don't speak up, if we don't push back, they're going to continue to do what they want to do and as long as they think they can do whatever the hell it is they want to do, they're going to continue to do it. Don't think they're going to suddenly feel, oh, my gosh, this is our country. We must, heavens to Murgatroyd, we must stand up for our country. No, quite the opposite. I don't think the Biden administration and 70 percent of all federal um, politicians and employees, I don't think they like this country any more than the CCP does. In fact, it's entirely possible the CCP might actually like it better than they do. Uh, we've still got a lot of stuff they want. Uh, wait uh, wait a second. Uh, breaking news. Uh, Media Matters reporting Ron Edwards uh, pro-burning politicians alive. Uh, it, it's crazy how fast the news gets out, Ron. 
It's amazing. <laughs> I I wish they'd um, you know be so accurate. So um, I'm try to be accurate with their reporting, but uh, you know how it is. They jump on things and uh, and away they go. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Speaking of inaccuracy, um, obviously I've got to talk to you about the state of the union address uh, first and foremost i'm still kind of a fan of how the constitution actually says it should be done just send a letter to congress i don't think we need the big political grandstanding but it's become a tradition and i, I do think given biden's performance this go around despite what the democrats and the media are going to try to convince everybody if biden remains in office much longer they might actually support going back to just sending a letter i don't think they want to turn this guy loose very many more times but mm -hmm. with all that being said uh what's your major takeaways and uh what points uh, do you think we need to be focused on as conservatives ready to push back just about all of his points because just about everything he said was a lie and number two, he reminds me, you know, and I've said this for years, even when he was in the Senate making gaffes before he started losing his his, his actual faculties. Um, the guy, he's always cracked me up, not because he's funny in a good way, but he's always cracked me up. He, he reminds me of a character that Johnny Carson used to do. And I think the guy's name was... Homer Formsby, he was uh, like a Midwest um, dunce, stilted guy. <laughs> and when he stands there and he's trying to talk and he's shifting back and forth. And when he walks, he has a stilted walk and he's, you know, and, and he just speaks in such a way. And uh, he, he considers himself well-spoken, but he, he, he just sounds funny when he talks and every time i i hear biden he cracks me up i i you know it's he sounds like someone who's joking around he's yeah. always sounded that way and he's just sound look you know he was he's a great walking he's a walking skit for uh saturday night live when they were good well, he would be if he wasn't actually supposed to be the president. Uh, unfortunately, he's kind of scary in that capacity. But yeah, I, I can't quite make up my mind if the parts that were most disturbing were when he just started slurring words together to the point it sounded like he was creating new words or speaking another language. Or when the Republicans started kind of yelling at him. And he started kind of pushing back uh, where he was trying to – and I have a feeling this is going to be the new push for the campaign moving forward because they really don't have anything that has been accomplished that can run on where they accuse Republicans of trying to end uh, Social Security and Medicaid. Uh, between those two, uh, which do you think is more disturbing? The lie. And then that's why I said before the lies, it, it, and that's one of the bigger bigger lies. But the thing is, the Democrats have been using that forever. They used yeah. it with Reagan. They used it with George W. Bush, who only wanted to reform Social Security and uh, so and make it so that we could put a portion of our Social Security payment payment into um, uh, you know in, into stocks. That's what they for the old folks. And they could shift it into stocks like they were doing at the time in nations like Chile 
And uh, because statistically, Chileans at the time were retiring with more money than average Americans because they were putting them in stocks and they had more money to work with. And that's all they wanted to do. But of course, even then, the Democrats kept howling. The Republicans want to get rid of or cut or drastically cut Social Security. They run it out every time. And my problem, more so than the lies, Tim, this is this is where a lot of people may get angry at me, but oh well. There's so many idiots in this country. They fall for this every time. And I understand that many people in this country are so biased in their in their skulls that they accept the lies willingly because they've been trained or indoctrinated to hate anything good or even people that are trying to do good like a, a few Republicans. And so when someone break, barks out, they're trying to get rid of or cut Social Security. You can't believe how many millions of people uh, buy into that lie. And it happens every time. They run that dog out every time. And he barks and people listen. And um, I, I don't understand. Well, I do understand. People are stupid. I'm sorry. People are <laughs> thick in the head. And... Um, they keep falling for these same old lies. And even a a, 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 a a horribly conditioned individual like Biden is more respected by these millions of idiots than Trump. Okay. And you and I both know, Tim, that if Trump were in office, we would not even be having these discussions. We would be talking about record economic growth. We would be talking about how he's getting all these world leaders to work together. It would have been the Abraham Accords or variations of that all over the world. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have someone like Rocket Man, Kim Jong-un, not knowing you're coming into his country, and he steps on your border, and he shows up, he rolls up, rather. I, I'm so good. I, I didn't know you were coming. It's so good to see you. I mean, he got the United States for a short time back in the position that she was meant to be in, the big dog. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and, but many Christians, I, and this is, and it just makes me so, it, this is what ticks me off, Tim, more than Biden, more than, than, than those crooks in Washington, the dumb Christians. How many millions of Christians, and it is millions of evangelicals, the same morons like... Um, I don't I know you weren't probably weren't going to bring this up, but Hobby Lobby has gone leftist. And those two Super Bowl commercials that you're going to if you watch the Super Bowl. Those commercials are woke. They're they're brought to you by a bunch of evangelicals who are promoting the LGBTQ community and supporting all of that deviancy. And most people don't know that they're so they're 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 happy. They're clapping like um in the um, Eddie Murphy movie, where the fat lady goes, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Well, they're, yeah. they're clapping like in the same way, just so happy with Joe Biden and, and, and what they're doing and the fact that, that uh, Trump is not there. They don't care what's happening around them. And they're just clapping. The dumb Christians are going, oh, aren't we so glad? 
that we oh boy things are really changing they've got two christian commercials and about jesus at the super bowl oh praise the lord and 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 they they did that on fox and i said oh my god and they're in on it too i knew weeks ago that's exactly what this stuff was and and the dumb christians are oh we're happy oh we're happy thank you jesus thank you jesus and and they're just getting screwed tight you know um <laughs> that bothers me more that's more concerning than joe biden because if people got their heads straight and weren't so stupid in this country we wouldn't have these problems we wouldn't have a guy looking like homer formsby <laughs> be, being a total embarrassment to this country we wouldn't have this embarrassment all right yeah there's really nothing more disturbing uh, than the Christian church uh, doing anything other than uh, exhibiting the the spirit of Christ. And you're harder and harder pressed to find uh, very many churches that are doing that. Even now in the Bible Belt itself, the small rural churches are still being pushed heavily into leftist woke agendas instead of just holding tight to the uh, to the gospel. And that is going to be the downfall of the nation if we do not correct it, uh, because that's where that's where the heart and the spirit are directed and how families are going to be able to stand strong and overcome and actually be families again instead of disjointed units of random people who can come and go as they please, which is what the left wants to turn us all into. But uh, circling back to these discussions about Social Security and Medicare, Sure. These are two these are two systems that actually are failing. And every time a conservative points out that something needs to be done to save it, I need to point out that there are not any, at least that I'm aware of, <laughs> not any members of the House or the Senate with an R at the end of their name that have the courage to stand up and say something. I've said multiple times, and that is the federal government has no business ever having created Social Security. It was a Ponzi scheme scam from the beginning, and that yep. the American people would have been better off just investing their own money. And you can keep using the excuse that some people would just never do it. That doesn't give you the right to uh, overreach the Constitution and do it on someone's behalf. You don't have that power or authority. So as a true conservative and a constitutionalist, yes, I would like to see it go away, not because I want to see people hurt, not because I don't want a safety net to exist, but that's what private charity is for. And those people would be better off that way. And if you actually take the time to to learn and to invest yourself, you would be so much better off, which was basically the point you were making earlier. But there's not a Republican with the courage to stand up and say that publicly. So clearly, they're not coming for either one of these programs. But when somebody makes the statement that we're going to have to do something to keep it from failing, the Democrats bounce on that and make the false claim that that's uh, Republicans trying to stop it. How do we do a better job? Because it's obviously it's up to people like you and me, Ron. How do we do a better job of getting that message across to those dim-witted folks who need to understand the reality? Because neither one of these programs is slated to last much longer if they don't make some course corrections relatively soon. Well, first of all, we have to uh, legislate more fish-eating brain food uh, <laughs> to make their brains more palatable for the reception of truth. 
Right. And once we improve the brain conditions of uh, millions of Americans, then we have a we'll have a, a, a fighter's chance. Um, and you're right. I mean, if something is not done, it's it's and see the thing is, the government has been robbing the Social Security piggy bank for many years. Well, from the beginning. Rem- yeah. Remember, remember the the, the year of the lockbox. Yeah. <laughs> Man. They they locked the box, but they didn't put anything in it. So they just kept doing what they were what they were doing all the time, and so um, it, it it and it's something very very. It's a simple solution. I think we have to start challenging the philosophical base of what Social Security is and what it means, and how people and and even press into the egos of people. Let them know that the government think that, thinks that they're so stupid that they cannot take care of themselves, despite the fact that they have a long work history, they've raised children, yada, yada, yada. And so we've got to get into into their heads, because here's the thing, what the left has done, and they're, they're genius in, in this, in order to get their ideas to become acceptable, in order to, for them to convince people that Trump is no good, despite he was the best president since Reagan— and including Christians with all their so-called discernment. The thing is, we have to philosophically battle them, too. I know we're not supposed to deal with vain philosophies, but truth, I mean, from a philosophical base, when it comes to truth, is not vain. Truth is never vain. And we have to continue to attack it. We have to uh, seek ways to grow our platforms to be more relevant. I pray this every day for our shows, that they're more relevant, that people see us as an asset. And when they do that, they will start not only hearing what you're saying, but learning to accept what you're saying and say, hey, you know what? The guy makes a lot of different, he's making great points, but we also have to infiltrate the school systems because they have so, they've turned so many people into cement brains. They've almost they've inoculated people against the truth. They're not able. I mean, huh. I, I talk to people who you, you would consider to be reasonably intelligent. They walk with God. Some of them know the Bible way better than I do. Way better. But when you start talking about the issues of the day based upon principles, not emotionalism, not based upon just the political angle, but just on the issues and the facts. What's going to happen if we do not switch how this Social Security, as you so aptly put it, Ponzi scheme, is dealt with in a correct manner? You should be allowed to keep your money. Just like in the same sense, states should be allowed to keep their own money to fix their own infrastructure. Instead of sending those dollars to the federal government, which says we're going to we're going to fix the infrastructure and they never do. And you get only 76 and 70 percent of your dollars back. So you're shortchanged. Not only you're you're ripped off because they're not even doing what they said that they're going to do with the with the money. And it's the same thing with Social Security. We allow them to take all this money, all our working lives. They steal it from us through legal edict, put it wherever they put it. We get back 
you know, well, those who, who, who are receiving Social Security, they get they get back a chump change. And I know people, man, that are older that are taking Social Security. They made some big whopping salaries. And when they say what they're getting on a monthly basis, I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on there. Heavens to Murgatroyd. What's going on? And yet people will die. People will go to war against you if you say, you know what, we need to really switch up this Social Security. We, there, there's, there, this is not, this is not a good. It's an empty hole, and you're getting less and less uh, stuff out of that empty hole. And your grandchildren aren't going to get anything because this and other programs, the way they're run, is going to break the country. And then you're going to end up with nothing. Then what are you going to do? Besides scratch around in your backyard like a chicken, hoping you can find something to eat. So, I mean, and it's going to get like that if we don't make a change, Tim. You know, I'm, I sound like I'm being silly, but we're heading in that direction. Yeah, we really are. And that's the uh, the tragic thing. Uh, we spend a lot of time being relatively optimistic because we see the direction the nation's going in. We're starting to feel the, the pendulum starting to swing back towards common sense and values it can't possibly swing back fast enough for my taste but you and i both see it to a degree uh it's not where it needs to be but it, it is improving we're starting to see more and more people who are of the left who still think of themselves as being allies of the lgbtq carrot sign blue face emoji group uh, whatever new thing gets added on that are starting to come forward and say hey you know what transing the kids is a bad idea uh, so the more this reality sinks in the better it's going to be but at the same time we have to make clear that this is what's coming if you are two years or less away from Social Security, from retiring and being on that check, forget about your grandkids. Your kids are not going to be able to get it. We're that far away if we don't make some serious changes. But with all that uh, still being put to the side, it still comes down to some simple, basic ideas. And that is, first and foremost, if you have to signal your virtue you're not living your virtue. If you're not prepared to stand on principles and make arguments based on principles, it doesn't matter if you're Christian, Muslim, Jew, Hindu, or completely agnostic, atheistic, Satanist, none of that matters because you're squish. America was not built on squish. America was built on people that were willing to stand up and go out and make a life for themselves. They didn't count on the government to help them. They had faith in themselves and in God. And then they had a lot of expectations on their family. And that was a big part of the issue, too. We have so few people that have actual expectations that they're expected to live up to. And that, too, is part of where we don't have kids growing up with critical thinking because it's not taught. In fact, it's frowned upon. We don't have kids growing up with the kind of thick skin where they have to realize bullying is a real world thing. Facing down a bully is something you're going to have to do. And no matter how that turns out, you're going to have to develop thick skin. Uh, I had mentioned earlier back in the first hour this uh, terrible story out of New Jersey. A young 14-year-old girl committed suicide 
because a group of four girls jumped her in their school. They took video of this, and then they posted it. She she was knocked unconscious, and the school did literally nothing other than uh, take her to the nurse's station. They didn't even want to tell the parents uh, the full extent of what happened. They didn't know how bad it was until they saw these videos posted online, and this girl couldn't take it. Ultimately, if you're going to be so weak that that's going to make you kill yourself rather than stand up to these punks who jumped you, these animals who did this to you, then how can we expect to have a future? We've only got a few minutes before we'll have to take the mid-hour break, Ron. So if you will uh, be patient with me, uh, I've got one more basic uh, bit about the uh, State of the Union uh, that we'll talk about, and then i got one other topic I want to get to. And if you'd like to address any of what I just said coming back off the break, we can do that as well. So stay where you are if you don't mind very much. And uh, listeners, you stay where you're at. Ron Edwards is joining us on the other side of this break. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Is the once golden state of California now a haven for perverted human trafficking? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Arbor's Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you wanted your cup. It is heartbreaking when one thinks about how California has digressed in so many ways. One of the worst is the alleged preponderance of human trafficking activity. Unfortunately, Democrat political office holders in California have passed a series of laws that have enabled human traffickers, both domestic and foreign, to ply their trade of snatching boys, girls, and women for the horrendous abuses inflicted upon them by perverted desperados seeking to pleasure themselves by abusing their captured victims. California State Senator Scott Weiner sponsored most of those laws that now favor human traffickers in that state. State Senator Weiner also admitted he used to pal around in the same circles as Paul Pelosi's demented attacker. They say that government reflects the moral and immoral status of the people. Hmm. If that's true, then don't expect California to change for the better until the voters first change and want a better society. I'm Ron Edwards. Until we meet on the next page from the Edwards Notebook, See ya. And remember to join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. To find out where, go to the RonEdwards.com. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer, songwriter, and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. 
constitutional grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, constitutional grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Being stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Amy. This is Az. Me too. Sharing the night together. Sharing the night together. And here we are, indeed, sharing Friday night together. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks to Arizona Antihero for hanging out with us in the chat room over at MeWe.com. Uh, look for the Last Frequency group, and then you, too, can be part of uh, the experience as uh, you guys would have uh, more people to chat with. Uh, it is Friday night, and uh, we're having quite the lively discussion with the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook. The host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, a patriot, and uh, the part I'm most proud about, my friend, uh, Ron Edwards. Ron, before we jump back into the conversation, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Well, you can find me uh, Monday through Friday via the Ron Edwards American Experience. Uh, You can hear me on this great uh, outlet, uh, Last Frequency. And uh, you can hear me on other outlets as well. And to find out where, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific, Monday through Friday. And uh, you can go to theronedwards.com. And you can also start following me on Getter at Ron E. American Experience. That, that is Ron E., the letter E, American Experience on Getter. And uh, Getter is a lot better, I think, than uh, Facebook. Uh, you don't get the... Uh, Oh, the, you don't get the kind of bull capital S with a hit where they are trying to demonetize you. They they just do all kinds of crazy things on Facebook. And um, so you better get on Getter and start following me over there, folks. 
Yeah. And in fact, you can find me over at Getter as well. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. In fact, if you want to follow me, you can do it at Facebook. I wouldn't recommend it. You're only likely to see one out of every 100 posts I put up. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter, but again, you know, it's gotten a little better since Elon took over, but not so much. I would actually ask you to come over to locals.com and to follow me on uh uh, the uh, Rumble as well, which you can follow Ron at Rumble, uh, too. A great uh, follow there. Uh, you can find us at True Social, Parlor, Cloud Hub, uh, MeWe. Uh, I already mentioned Getter on Gab, on, on Spreely, and Minds.com. And even over at LinkedIn, if you want to, uh, I'll accept your friend request if you mention that you're a listener of the show. But uh, they're so leftist over there. you got to be real careful what you post there. Uh, but, yeah, definitely all over uh, social media, lots of better options than those that don't like us conservatives. But, yeah, you're welcome to follow us at all those places. And like I said, Rumble is a really good option if you like video sharing. And Ron is a great follow on Rumble as well as over at Getter, as he just mentioned. All right, Ron. Uh, I, I think the strategy going into the um, into the State of the Union address actually was a pretty good one. They wanted to try and cut back into reclaiming the working class Americans because they know if they're going to withstand whoever becomes the next Republican nominee – they're going to have to get some of those voters back, and those are the people right now that are feeling the truth of the economy as opposed to the lies they want to keep telling. But they focused on telling the lie there early, and then the stuff that doesn't play as well with middle America, they waited till midway through and then later in the speech. And the reason that works really well is because they knew that a lot of the folks that did tune in, they tuned back out pretty quick. So that was pretty smart on their part. Um, I, I still don't think it works for those of us that actually pay attention. But I have to say, I think the best part here is that we probably got the best GOP rebuttal to a State of the Union address oh, yeah. in a very long time from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, what was your take on what she had to say? For the most part, I enjoyed what she had to say. But there was one thing that stood out to me. And I'm surprised most people did not catch on. And I kind of raised my eyebrow and I said, wait a minute. I wonder if she's also in a sneaky way, ungrateful way, by the way, turning on Trump. Because when that, that mission that she was talking about was when she went in the dark of night for Christmas over there to Syria to surprise the soldiers she did not mention Trump's name once. As bold as she has always been, she's never been one to, you know, to mince word, mix her words, or whatever, whatever you want to say. She's never been a chicken. And she had whatever she thought, for the most part, she said it. But yet she had whatever it is that's gotten into her, whatever bee has gotten into her bonnet, to decide not to even mention his name. And I, I, to me, a lot of, you know, you might think that's just a tiny little thing, but considering it was Trump that made her a household name, let's, let's be honest with you. I mean, she, she took the, the ball and ran and, and got the touchdown, yes. But it was he who gave her the break, who saw all her potential, 
who really liked her, didn't want her to leave, but she left anyway. And for her to, to not even want to mention his name because, oh, that might hurt her or it might hurt the party or something like that. Screw the party. The, the party is, 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 is a problem. And, and I just, and that just, because it, it didn't hit me right away. I was thinking more about it the next day, and I think I mentioned it on the show, on my show, and I think it's a big problem, potentially. Yeah. Well, I I wanted to kind of put that to the mindset of it being so early in that race, and technically at this point, the only announced candidate being Donald Trump, that it was just trying to stay neutral at this point. Uh, but... But I don't think that has anything to do with the campaign. I just think you're talking about an event that happened. And the reason why it happened was because Trump called her at night. I mean, if Christmas, they were expecting to be home. Hey, I need you. Let's go. No lights, no nothing. And she talked about it. And in fact, not long ago, Trump uh, described that very event. I think it has nothing to do with the, the campaign. I mean, this is something that happened. And to, to, to leave his name out for such a sterling, wonderful example. I mean, how many presidents, presidents would do that on Christmas like that and to go to the, one of the most dangerous places in the world? And they could have been easily taken out, but they went with no lights, turn everything off, no cell phones or whatever, come in and out. I mean, and not mention his name. I, I, to me, that is telling, and and it has nothing to do with the campaign. And in fact, the, another Republican has put her hat in the ring, the globalist uh, Haley. Well, I, I was under the impression that she's announced that she'll be announcing, but she, okay, but she well. hasn't officially announced yet. Now, okay, if that's she, changed since last I checked, she may have went ahead and done it. I thought she was waiting till next week, but well, I mean, you technically, know, I mean, regardless, you know. though. Yeah. Your point is a very good one, I, and I fully uh, I agree with the content. I mean, th- this is a situation where telling that story, if you're going to start telling it, you should tell the whole story. Uh, I just I was kind of thinking that maybe, and, and again, I might just be trying to give her too much credit here uh, because you know she is Mike Huckabee's daughter, and they have a bit of a political empire they're trying to protect now, and and maybe they do feel concerned about the damage the Trump brand might do because they pay too much attention to the polls and not enough attention to the real world. But, uh, you know, I I did kind of just hope she was leaving his name off because it might have felt to some people that it was an effort to promote his campaign uh, as opposed to just give the GOP response. Uh, Everything is so measured now. But uh, you're absolutely right to call it out, and uh, you may very well be correct that it being a bigger issue than what it, a lot of people are figuring out. I don't want to diminish that at all. Uh, I did get a, a bit of a political kick, if you will, a humorous kick out of the fact that of all the people that directly attacked Sarah Huckabee Sanders afterwards, Gavin Newsom decided to – go front and center, and attacked her on crime, nonetheless, in Arkansas. Never mind the fact that Sarah Huckabee Sanders has only been governor of Arkansas 
for just a smidge over a month at this point. Uh, did you happen to catch any of that back and forth? Just a little bit because I, I read a little bit of, about it and I was in fact going to talk on the show, but I only read a little bit about the back and forth, but I read enough to understand that he had a problem or has a problem with her dealing with crime. And if anyone knows anything about Little Rock, it is not one of your safer cities in the country. Um, and I would think that any government official anywhere in the country that's going after crime and that's making that an issue and they want to clean it up, I would think that the last thing another governor would do would be to attack you on that effort. However, on the other hand, let us not forget and always remember that most Democrats are in favor of the criminal. That is why you have the open borders. That's why they're allowing, I forgot which country it is, I think it's Venezuela sending up 122 of their um, criminals that they just let out of prison. I think it's 122, might be more than that. Um, but Gavin Newsom has, and some of his cohorts like uh, Mr. Weiner, they've worked together to make California a crime haven on every level, domestically and internationally. The cartel is running more and more areas of uh, California. The Mexican gangs have just beaten up all of the black gangs and just wiped them out and are much more vicious than the black gangs could have ever dreamt of being. You have the criminal behavior concerning the environment in California from the government, from Newsom, and they've exacerbated drought conditions so that the San Fernando Valley, which at one time was the salad bowl of the world practically, is now a dust bowl filled with illegal border crossers and shanties. So here, here comes along Sarah Huckabee. Holy mackerel. She only wants to do good. As a governor, I think she's great, and she's going to be great. But let's not forget, didn't uh, Mr. Newsom, Mr. Brill Cream, uh, he's the second Mr. Brill Cream, didn't he go after Ron DeSantis for similar reasons? Um, maybe it wasn't directly crime, but he didn't like uh, the fact that uh, the way that, oh, over the illegal border crosser issue, well, that's criminal. <laughs> so, yeah. If you're doing good or you mean to do well for your state, Governor Newsom is part of the dream of or nightmare of destroying America, destroying California under his authority, one of the most beautiful places on the entire planet. And if you were not in that 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 genre, of course he's going to attack you. He doesn't like that. What? How dare you try to save a portion of America? We're out to destroy it and you are you're getting in the way. Now, cut that out, as the great Jack Benny would say. So, yeah, it's pretty clear that uh, that Gavin doesn't like Ron DeSantis because most of the businesses in California were getting the oh, hell out. Yeah. A lot of them were going to Florida. Yep. Uh, several of them came here to Tennessee too. Uh, we have been the beneficiary of entrepreneurs who no longer wanted to deal with the destructive policies of Gavin Newsom and the Democrats that, uh, to be fair, predated Gavin. He's just doubled and tripled up on him, making them worse. Uh, and, of course, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I have to keep remembering to add, <laughs> she is married now. Uh, she, uh, 
she's literally been there a little over a month, so no real chance to have a major impact. But I, I seem to recall her telling the story when she was campaigning that she didn't run into a district where she didn't run into at least two or three people who had moved to Arkansas from California to get away from the crime and the grittiness and the other policies that they've been pushing. And uh, she uh, was quick to tell the story. It's like, well, we're glad to have you here. Welcome to Arkansas. Uh, when you go into the voting booths, though, please remember why exactly it is you left California and don't screw us up like <laughs> like they were. Uh, so, yeah, I can see a lot of jealousy more to the point, but it, it just it made me want to chuckle thinking that here's Gavin Newsom trying to lecture any other governor at all about, well, really anything, but especially crime, because California has become a sanctuary state where they literally want to defy every legitimate law that protects an American citizen and ignore any law that might have non-citizens being held accountable for any of their actions. So to me, that is probably just the most humorous aspect of the response to the response. I, uh, I don't know what else to say about that other than uh, I guess it's kind of par for the course. We we are quickly running out of time, but I did want to discuss at least one more uh, topic with you before we uh, have to call it quits for the evening. And that, of course, is today we got news that the FBI once again searched the home of a certain former vice president of the United States by the name of Pence. And in the process of searching his home, they discovered yet at least one more classified document. Now, I find this somewhat humorous in the fact that uh, obviously when Mike Pence has classified documents at his house, it certainly seems like you're making these announcements to try to give cover for everybody else that's ever done it. But the fact that the folks that want to talk about this the most and make it into a big deal – are the same folks that want you to ignore the fact that evidently Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has been running around since he was in the Senate taking classified uh, documents, folding them into paper airplanes, and just throwing them out car windows wherever he's gone, as many as we found in as many different places. But I would love to get your take on this major discovery of a classified document and Mike Pence's personal residence. Well, trust me, nothing will will happen to him uh, as far as punishment or whatever for this. This is, like you said, cover um, because they want to build a case for going after Trump. See, and and they're going to call it equal treatment, this, that, and the other. But it cannot be equal until they go after Ali Obama. Now they know that he took a lot of stuff, but no one is touching him. He's one of those people that the untouchables. And, um, you know, this is it's it's kind of sick. I I don't feel sorry for Mr. Pence at all because he's a traitor and uh, he's a no good Nick, fake Christian. And uh, there are other nefarious things we've learned about him that's possible, but I won't mention it on your show out of respect until they're they're proven. But um, you're right, man. It's 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 uh, it's it's you know, they're worried about these documents because you know nothing's going to you know harm the country if if China can't even physically invade us yet. They're, you're going to be worried about some documents. 
if China has, has, has sifted all that information from our country and they allowed it to happen, and yet they're, they're worried about some documents, a few documents in, in, Vice, in, in Mike Pence's home, you know, this, this, this government is totally bass-ackwards. And they're doing these things in such a manner because they're allowed, the people have allowed them to get away with it, and they just do whatever the hangnail they want to do. No matter how helter-skelter it looks, there's a plot and a plan to all this madness. They know what they're doing. They're not stupid. They're too evil to be stupid. And it just lets me know that we, the people, have to really start covering our own backsides and working together and um, saving our pennies, man. It's, you know, I, I know that's a, a big jump from that to saving your money and, and, and covering your backside. But this government is out of control. It's, it's, uh, it's making itself look like it's helter-skelter, but they're really not. This is planned demise. This is all planned. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's a, an embarrassment. You know, what do you think Xi Jinping or Xi Jinping is thinking right now as as he's watching this government go after Vice President Mike Pence's one extra classified document? You know, block the street off and go through all those machinations when they could have just driven in quietly in an unmarked car. FBI could have done that. Gone in. Boom, boom, boom. The FBI, we want to check. Uh, have a little look-see again. There might be something else. And, you know, and, and done it more quietly. If the, if these documents were so important and they're just now discovering, or at least they're now talking about the ones from 1974 in, in Joe Biden's, uh, um, you know, in, in, his, in his home, mm-hmm. they, they're, obviously they're not that important. They weren't missing. They weren't missing before. And well, nobody noticed. <laughs> yeah, they didn't notice because they they obviously weren't that important. I mean, the country, you know, kept going since 1974. Last time I checked, we're still here, and so, um, you know, they, and it's a lot of trickery to keep us focused on unimportant stuff. That's what I think. While they're killing our economy, while they're whittling away our, our rights, while they're legislating against us, that may that legislating against us may be slowed down a bit now that the Republicans have a slim majority in the in the, in the House. Um, those are the things we need to be concerned more about. That border, I mean, all those people that have come in, in this this country since he's he's gotten in office. That is enough. Do you know more people? There are many more illegal border crosses that have come in in this country since Joe Biden. That it's larger than our U.S. Army, and many of the and, and the majority of them are what young men, criminals, people that know how to fight, know how to do damage, and yet, and there are more of them than there are members of our our entire military, not just the army. Yeah. So these are things that uh, we're not paying attention to. That's why you look at these polls and they say, what are the most important issues to you? And way down the list, third from the last or whatever is the border. 
And that points back to what I said earlier about how stupid many Americans are. They're not just ignorant, they're stupid. Because if you're too stupid to even give a rip about your border, because if your border is gone, if you've lost your sovereignty, everything else is out the window because you don't have a country. You have the barbarians in the country. And if once Biden or somebody gives the word, if we start making momentum next year and it looks like Mr. Trump is going to make some real inroads and oh, I, I can I can just see a lot of stuff happening against us because we're not paying attention in the right areas today. Yeah, if people had a real idea of what these numbers of uh, illegal migrants happen to be, uh, we are legitimately at a point where we have five states in our union that the populations do not equal the number of people that have crossed the border since Biden took office. Not full-time, all-time, not all the way back to Barack Hussein, Al-Awakbar <laughs> Obama's uh, time, but just since Joe Biden's been there and his effort to not just have a plan demised, but is managing the demise, uh, it is it's exactly that. We keep getting this, uh, look, squirrel, uh, over here, there's something shiny, look at that, here, here, here. Do not look at what's really happening. You could not have been more correct in your assessment, Ron. And uh, I think we're going to have to leave things right there for today. Uh, again, thank you so much, my friend, for uh, coming on and uh, bringing the uh, the fire and the brimstone and all of the passion that you bring. Uh, I know the, uh, the listeners tend to enjoy it. Uh, I do uh, look forward to continuing our conversations, especially as we get closer to the actual campaigning when more people are officially in. I think we'll have plenty to talk about as that goes. We all know uh, the Donald has a way of campaigning that, uh, well, it tends to decimate his opponents. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, again, uh, remind everybody one more time real quick uh, where they can find you. Oh, let's see. You can uh, Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. You can tune in on this very network, uh, Last Frequency, as well as uh, other places. And uh, we're at 3 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 4, uh, Monday through Friday. I'm also on the weekends uh, via replay on radio stations around the country. You can find out where most of them on at theronedwards.com. Start following me on Getter at Ron E. American Experience. That's Ron E. American Experience uh, on Getter. And follow me on Facebook at The Ron Edwards and as well as uh, Friends of the Edwards Notebook page on Facebook as well. All right. Oh. Thank you again, sir. And Godspeed. Keep up the good work. And uh, that's going to have to be it for me tonight as well, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, to use your brain <laughs> if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody. Come back and see us soon. Bye now.
is using both hands. Using both hands. 